Globally, patients are looking for ways to control rising health care costs. They are now using generic drugs in ever-increasing amounts. But are we aware of the risk in this practice? I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you're listening to Book Club on ReachMD. And today, our guest is Catherine Eban. She is the recent author of the well-received book, Bottles of Lies, the inside story of the generic drug boom. Catherine Eben is also an Andrew Carnegie Fellow and also the author of Dangerous Doses, a true story of cops, counterfeiters, and the contamination of America's drug supply. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. To begin with, what events drew you to this topic as an investigative journalist? Well, it was 2008, and I got a phone call from actually a radio show host named Joe Graydon, who hosts a program called The People's Pharmacy. And I'd been on his program before. He'd interviewed me about my work. But this time, he called to say that patients were calling into his show complaining about side effects from generic drugs. And he had taken their complaints to the FDA, and the FDA's response was basically, well, it's in their heads, it's psychosomatic. And he did not believe that, so he urged me to investigate. And that is really where I began about 10 years ago. Was there any particular leads that really made you say, hey, wait a minute, this is really a story that may be threatening, on a global level, many patients. Well, yes. You know, it wasn't hard to find uh, U.S. patients who were having the complaints about these generics and also doctors who were struggling to stabilize patients after they were switched to certain generics. But what really led me in a different direction was my contact with a whistleblower who urged me to look at the manufacturing plants overseas, largely in India and in China, that are making the majority of our low-cost generics. I believe his name was Dinesh Thakur. He's really almost a hero. If you read your book, you can't help but admire him for his courage. Can you tell me, what were the things that he was exposed to? He had worked, I think, in the pharmaceutical industry in the United States before he began to be employed in India. That's right. He was a young engineer at Bristol-Myers Squibb in New Jersey when he was recruited to go to Rambaxi, which at the time, around 2003, was India's largest drug company. And while he was there, his boss became suspicious about the company's data and asked him to do a research project and to investigate the company's worldwide regulatory filings. In other words, What did they claim to regulators, and what kind of clinical and test data did they submit to regulators in order to get approval to market their drugs? And what Dinesh uncovered was really harrowing, that over 200 drug products in more than 40 countries were filed with manipulated or fabricated data. And this was his findings were then reported to a subcommittee of the board of directors, and their proposal was to bury this information. And basically, Dinesh was forced out of the company, 
and he ended up approaching the FDA with his information, and that sparked an eight-year investigation that is sort of forms the narrative thread of the book. We can't forget that the Hatch Bill also laid the groundwork for this rush to manufacture drugs overseas. It really laid the groundwork for this new kind of industry that became really the pride of India. Could you tell us a little bit, or remind us a little bit, about what the Hatch Bill was? Sure. So the Hatch-Waxman Act was passed in 1984, and it really created the modern-day generic drug industry in this country because what it did is it created a unique pathway for generic companies to apply to the FDA to market their drugs. And basically, it said, look, you know, the molecule has already been approved. We know it's safe and effective. And so what we're asking you companies to do is just to prove that your version of it is bioequivalent, that it acts similarly in the body and has roughly the same absorption into the blood. But it also had a deal sweetener for the generics, and it really sort of sparked a frenzy. The deal sweetener was called first to file, and it said, if you are the first through the door to apply for a generic and you get approved, you will have six months of exclusivity on the market where you can sell your drug without other generic competitors at roughly 80% of the brand name price. So that incentive was so big for generic companies that many of them wanted to be first even if they didn't yet know how to make the drug. And in fact, it did give rise to falsification of data in order to lay down a marker as first to file. You know, one of the things that amazed me was how they manipulated the data. And one of the things that really surprised me was that key executives all the way at the top, we have to remember that this is something that begins in the culture of the company at the very top, that executives came to the United States, loaded their suitcases with brand-name drugs, brought them back to India, and used those brand-name drugs from the United States to do their data so that, of course, the drugs would look great. But some of the other things are really surprising. But it tells you that how deep-seated this was. But I have to ask you, you know, we're very quick to blame the FDA. How is the FDA supposed to manage or investigate various plants, often in remote areas of India, They have to give them two and three and four months' notice. Some of the plants that you described hadn't even been visited in over a decade. You can't read the language. You're ushered in by executives. You're wheeled around. You have two to three days to look at a plant, often that covers miles. What's the answer to this? You lay it out very well. It's essentially an impossible task. You know, the FDA is a domestic agency, Almost overnight, on this wave of globalization, it was required to become a global agency and, you know, is required to inspect plants that are 7,000 miles away. But let's remember, the FDA is not required to give companies advance notice that they're coming to the plants. The FDA has chosen to do that. I mean, it has not dramatically thought through how to effectively regulate these plants. You know, it has reassured Congress and the American people that it has everything under control. We basically believe them, you know, but the problem is 
They give eight weeks of advance notice they're coming. They ask these plants to manage domestic travel in India for their own, their investigators. They're providing translators in China, you know, and the end result is that investigators are not getting a true picture of what is going on in the plants. And in some cases, as I exposed, you know, they're being wined and dined by these manufacturing plants and taken on trips to the Taj Mahal. So the question is, where does that leave the American consumer? I'm glad you, you know, touched on that. The other hero that I was impressed with in your book is a man named Peter Baker. He is an FDA investigator, and it sounds like within a very short time, he has uncovered, shall we say, all the dirt that exists. What makes this man so special? Why aren't we having more of them? The FDA has this pretty credulous foreign inspection system, right? They give advance notice to the plants. They review the data that the plants submit. Then they go and visit, and a lot of the investigators sit in the conference room and ask for documents to be brought to them. Peter Baker said, I'm not doing any of that. He is young. He is energetic. He is smart about computers. And instead, what he did is he just started looking in the plant's computer systems. And once he did that, it was a total game changer. So he was able to literally track down the metadata from deleted tests. The companies were pre-testing drugs to see if they would pass so that they would know how to manipulate the testing parameters once they moved it to the FDA's official system. And basically, he uncovered all of that through his inspections. So in the course of about five years, in 86 foreign inspections in India and China, he uncovered some type of data manipulation or data fraud in four-fifths of the plants he inspected, which really tells you something about both how the industry works and also why his inspectional approach is so unique. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Book Club on ReachMD, and I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard. And joining me today is Catherine Eban, and we're discussing her very thought-provoking and almost frightening book, Bottle of Lies, the Inside Story of the Generic Drug Boom. There also appears to be a local pressure on the FDA that voters are calling their representatives saying, you know, my drugs are expensive. Uh, I don't, I'm going to either buy my drugs or I'm not going to eat. I have a choice of one or the other. And we see actually in various meetings that when this company you're talking about, Ranbaxy, that when they had really very good evidence to shut them down, they said, you know, if we shut them down, they won't be able to pay the settlements to people that they've already lost to, to our investigative or our attorneys. There really seems to be a, an axe there or a tension between the political pressures, say, in our country and what's happening to the FDA as far as how aggressive they are in dealing with companies like Ranbaxy. Right. So there is this fundamental tension in this question of what is the FDA's role in all of this? Is it to facilitate the approval of more low-cost generics? And the benefit of that is it can go to Congress and say, look what we accomplished for the American people. Or is it to protect our public health? One really remarkable thing is that I uncovered how frequently the FDA is downgrading 
the recommended sanctions of foreign plants by its own investigators. In other words, the FDA investigators are going in and finding terrible conditions, bird infestations, faked sterility data, hidden laboratories, and they are in many cases recommending that a plant receive a designation of official action indicated, which means they have to fix the conditions immediately or face further sanctions. And in many, many cases, the FDA has said, no, they've provided further documents, it's all fine, uh, we'll downgrade that recommended sanction. You know, and in some cases, these plants have proved even months later to turn into sort of ground zero for real public health crises. Uh, one example of that was a Chinese plant, uh, uh, Zhejiang Huhai, and an FDA investigator went in there and found, hey, this plant is not investigating the impurity spikes in its own drugs, official action indicated. The FDA said, no, it's okay, voluntary action indicated, not as serious, and within a year, it turned out that that plant was producing active ingredient uh, for Valsartan, uh, the blood pressure medication, that was contaminated with a carcinogen and had to be recalled. So, you know, there there is a question about really how aggressive and vigilant the FDA is being in response to these findings. You know, as a doctor, I've had patients who didn't respond to medications that I thought should be working, and we switched from one antibiotic to another. What is the takeaway for our audience, which are mainly doctors and nurses? Are we to begin to really be anxious about the drug? I take uh, generics. And what should our patients do who are on generics? Let's start with doctors. So first of all, I think if a drug is not effective, or if a patient is not responding, or if a patient was stable and then becomes unstable after a medication switch, it needs to be a category of thought for a doctor that it's not just to change to a different therapy, but some of the doctors who I feature in my book are changing to different manufacturers of the same drug. They're unfortunately having to diagnose the drug supply as well as their own patients. But the takeaway is that not all generic versions are identical or interchangeable with one another, and not all generic versions are interchangeable with the brand, despite the FDA's claim that that is true. And so that is something that doctors need to consider before they just say, well, that whole line of therapy is not effective, so I'm going to change the entire treatment program for this patient. And and what should the patient do? As you can imagine, I have been besieged by patients, you know, who are writing my inbox is full of patients asking me this question. And so what I did is I created a guide to investigating your own drugs, which is on my website now. So really the first and most important thing, if you take a maintenance drug, you should pay attention to who manufactures it. You know, most patients don't really pay attention to that. So After that, there's a number of steps that patients can take. So first of all, there's something called an authorized generic, and that is a generic that is often licensed by the brand name company, maybe formulated more closely to the brand than other generics. So that's one option. Another option is to research the company. I mean, is this a company that's had numerous recalls 
Are they under a warning letter or an import alert from the FDA? You know, have they been caught faking data? These are all questions that patients need to ask and talk about with their doctors. So, you know, we've been talking about a lot of different subjects, but, you know, you've made me think about shared decision-making. We've talked about it when people make decisions about diagnostic tests and whether they want to have operations or not. But I think you've really opened my thought processes to patients begin to have to protect themselves. They have to take on a certain responsibility, even when it comes to the drugs that are being prescribed to them. I can't thank you enough for being with us today, and I'd like to ask our audience that if they've missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash book club to download this podcast and many others in this series. Thank you for listening, and thank you very much. I encourage everyone to read this book. It may save your life.